Clergy Ministry presents the Catholic Influencers Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Combo, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Gospels and discuss relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter, more reflective explanation of the Gospels, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influencers, Father Rob Gallia Homilies. Welcome to episode 16. Gosh, I love that jingle. It's so like, it makes <laughs> you feel good. It? And it's it's a beautiful sunny day here in Melbourne. Yes, it is. And I've really enjoyed this morning. I was up at 4.30 at the <laughs> gym, uh, not long after that, with the, uh, in my garage. <laughs> and with the garage door open and it's so nice. Everyone's asleep. Every, but it was still warm. It was like 12 degrees, which is, um, that's Celsius. Pretty, that's pretty good though, like for yeah. a morning. It's like 22 now, 23, but for, it, it was really nice. So the first workout where I didn't have to start with my with, with a thick Eskimo jacket. <laughs> then I started, and then I could layer off to a hoodie, and then I layer off to a t-shirt. Well, I haven't been able to walk this week after a workout, and it's been wonderful. Mm. Not really. No, I no. wake up in the middle of the night just aching, <laughs> but... um. And it's true, like, because I've been training harder now, like, uh, and I, I have, like, a everything's closed. So, like, I usually go for a deep tissue massage, and I haven't gone for maybe, what, 70 days, like, a uh, long time. We've been, anyway, <laughs> don't, don't, don't mention the L word, the, the lockdown word, but it, we, we were in there for a long while. So, I haven't been able to, um, my back is really stiff. Really difficult. Well, I hope you can get a massage soon. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, there's a lot of things happening at the moment. I am preparing, of course, for an American tour. I am excited about um, new opportunities as well. We have in the United States. A lot of things happening in the United States at the moment. And so we're blessed as a ministry. Also, a new Encounter website we have. Uh, if you, those of you who haven't checked it out, EncounterCourses.com. Um, so, and also, anyway, just so much going on. I don't even know, like, I'm dizzy with the amount of things that are going on. Crazy. We've had live events. We had our live Rosary Novena. We um, have a live podcast recording for the season finale. So and much going on. Advent retreat coming up. Advent retreat. Is that open to everyone? Advent retreat's open to everybody. Yeah, so make sure you check that out and we'll, we'll give some more details. We will gather with you throughout pretty much all of Advent. Pretty much. And we'll, we'll get to pray together. It's a time for us to be generous with God. Even if you're time poor, you can follow us later. It doesn't have to be with a live event. Just be, let this be Advent be a time of, of generosity with yourself uh, and God. Well, last episode, you guys were talking about Christmas and we're already talking about Advent, but hold on, let's hold up, back up a little bit. We're still in ordinary time. So this week, we're going to be um, preparing for the 32nd Sunday in ordinary time. And this week's gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses for a sh- and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, 
Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It's interesting why the church chooses to put such um, like different things into the same reading. Like yeah. that it chose it didn't choose to end at the one story, but it chose it chooses two. I think the reason why there are two stories, there's the one of the Pharisee, the, the scribes, and his the bad news of the scribes don't be like this, but and then there's the image that we that is a total opposite image and it is to be like as well. But sometimes I think like the tabloids, what draws our attention is the attack we have on the people who are bad. And I think this is what the author as well wanted to bring the attention of the people and saying, hey, let, let's, let me show you some bad stuff. And sometimes, again, bad, bad news sells better. Oh, definitely. Look at all the, the headlines that we're seeing at the moment, deadly this, and it's it really does attract you. And even in the entertainment culture, now we have what the cancel culture, you know. I, where don't, I don't even know what that is. Well, cancel culture is uh, when someone does something wrong, a celebrity does something wrong, and basically what they do is they cancel them. They say, stop following them, get them out, okay. um, stop putting them in films. So they give them so much bad publicity that basically they are cancelled. Cancelled out okay. of the lives of people. So, And it's effective because people have the power to cancel you now through unfollowing you, through mm-hmm. not buying your records, through petitions and things like that. So, it, But it's the opposite of what the gospel is about because the gospel is about mercy and it's about love. And again, I'm a big Justin Bieber fan and he talks against this cancel culture, culture as well and how anti-Christian it is at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's evil because we're cancelling people out without showing any mercy. But Jesus wasn't cancelling the, the scribes over here. He was just uh, pointing out how bad... The, the scribes weren't bad, were they? Like They weren't bad. And Jesus wasn't pointing out like to stay away from the scribes themselves and cancel them. He was just saying, don't do what they do. Because what they're doing is really contrary to what Christians should be doing. And it wouldn't have been all of them. It would have been the majority, I imagine. But it wouldn't have been all of them. It's, it's through... Time. It, it's a, there's a song by Casting Crowns which it says this. It's a slow fade when black and white turns to grey. Understand yeah. that? It's a slow fade when black and white turns to grey. It's in the, things that are so clear, things that are so, um, so, so holy and pure, eventually, slowly, you don't, they don't turn to grey overnight. It's a slow fade. Slowly we start to compromise and compromise and compromise to the point where we end up being corrupt. And the most holy people can end up being so corrupt because of, of the little compromises. And this is what Jesus was talking against. He was talking about these compromises that the scribes have made over time. And he points them out. He's very specific about the things that are wrong with the scribes. And the reason why he points it out is not because he wants to attack the scribes, but he's just saying, be careful of their poison, be careful that you don't become like them, that your black and white doesn't turn to grey like theirs did. That's right. Um, So maybe a bit of background on who the scribes were. So um, they pretty much regarded religion as a means to acquire wealth and social social esteem. So they were professional lawyer theologians, pretty high members of Jewish society. Um, And we'll talk about the the different accusations that Jesus makes about them really, really soon. But... um, so they wore long distinctive robes. It was like a mark of their status. And any time they were 
in the marketplace, they had to be greeted with respect. So if a scribe passed you by, you know, you had to stand up and rise to, to give them respect. They had seats of honour in the synagogue, like right up the front. Those, those awesome seats were reserved for them. And they were seats facing the people. So they were like, like the priests, the yeah. chair, you know. It was, it was in those places that they would actually be facing the same way as, as facing the people. Yeah, and you know, even if you had a, a banquet, like the seats of honour at this banquet were reserved for the scribes. And if you had a scribe there, well, like that was considered to be an ornament to your feast. Mm, so exactly. So if you, you had a scribe at your party, then it was, it's like... The uh, party to be at. Yes. A-grade celebrities. And sometimes we do that. The, the things that we have is, um, oh, this person had five priests at their funeral this person had 10 <laughs> priests at their funeral wait hold on my grandfather had 20 priests at his funeral <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's considered an honor or you had a bishop or you had something like that and so this is how it was as well so if you had two scribes three scribes 10 scribes at your party then goodness you are a good man you are yeah. a good woman so you, you ha- you're surrounded by, by good people. But it wasn't also on the side of the scribes. It became a place of honor as well that they started to hang out with a lot of rich people. They started to hang out with a lot of people of influence using their sort of religious status for... for Their own personal for, gain. Exactly. And so we had to really, we really got to check like... Jesus is pointing them out because it, it's pretty clear that they're not serving God, but they're serving themselves. And Jesus is pointing that out to, to the disciples and, and to us as well to make sure that, that we're not falling into that trap as well. Exactly. And honestly, I, I'm, I was, I've been reflecting on this gospel and it just it convicts me so much. You know, I was just dissecting piece by piece about what Jesus was, w- w- the charges that Jesus had against the Pharisees. And I, there are the things that I've reflected on even on the, the last two years of this pandemic. And I've had this time to step away from the stage. And yes, I, I think I was guilty. I'll be honest with you. I'm my confession here. I'm suddenly, without even knowing, guilty of some of the charges of the scribes and the Pharisees. And without even knowing. And now I've come to a point where I'm able to stand back and be able to even stand on a stage again, even evangelize again with a, with a, with a clearer... Um, conscience, yeah. and I just want to bring forward, like I, I, I the, the the six charges. I divided them into six parts. Six charges that Jesus made against uh, against uh, the scribes. Now, I want you, even uh, you listeners, as as you're listening to this, reflect on your own life. Reflect on what the charges that Jesus is making to the Pharisees. What charge is he making to you? Now, a charge is not uh, a a, a condemnation, but it is conviction. It's uh, saying, hey, I'm jealous for you. I want your heart. I want your attention. Are you ready to lay this down, to let go of this? So maybe what we'll do is we'll go through through some of the charges that we have here. The the first one is the robes, okay? So this is, his first charge has been, it was saying that, hey, these guys are so much full of the overflowing robes they, they when you wore these special robes all you, you couldn't work you couldn't do anything you'd just be regal and 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 it was a sort of a, a, a look at me kind of thing basically it was the attention seeking attention and maybe you don't have long phylacteries maybe you don't have long <laughs> robes but maybe you have a nice sports car that you want people to look at and or maybe you go to mass on a sunday and you're you're dressed 
to the point where you want people to look at you or maybe I don't know you uh, I, I don't want to give examples I know you but hate giving examples <laughs> because I don't it, it, it think about it what do you do and what do you have maybe it's your nice house or maybe it's not even it's, it could be your social media whatever it is what are you doing to draw attention to yourself are your robes so much which were meant for the service of others now all of a sudden have become about me about service of me attention towards me so that was the first thing the robes which was attention yeah and speaking of attention that kind of flows into the next thing that Jesus says it's the scribes were greeted in the marketplace and so yeah who who would you probably they probably got a kick out of the fact that every time they walked down the marketplace someone bowed and it's like look at look at me look, look at, at me yeah look at me Kath and Kim hey <laughs> um so yeah, the second accusation was those those greetings in the marketplace, like they expected that. A thirst for fame, hey. A yeah. thirst for acknowledgement. Even even maybe your own work, your own your own time. Are you um are you thirst sort of you've read for a degree, you have a doctorate, but what, why aren't people acknowledging me? Um I do so much work um in my business I do so much work at home I am not acknowledged so that's al- almost that sense of 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 being acknowledged the at- attention seeking but also the fame to be recognized by others another thing the third thing so they had the front seats in the synagogues and so as father Rob said before they they were facing the people so just think if you're attending you know, mass or attending a service and you're meant to be focusing on the altar, focusing on what's happening there, but instead you've got these scribes like to the left yeah, or to so the right. Look at whichever those side, phylacteries. Look at them, <laughs> like look how good they look in their robes. And um, and look, uh, yeah, and so it, it's almost taking the glory from God. That's right. So what do you do in your life that takes the glory from God? And this is a thing, this is where I have to look at myself. You see, I'm on a stage and yes, I have moments of fame, of, of attention. There are moments where I wear my tight jeans and those are my <laughs> phylacteries and, and then the, um, and my Converse shoes or whatever they are. Um, and then I sort of, I look at myself and um, with the, the selfies and things like that. But being an introvert, I, I don't enjoy them. But sometimes I have to question myself. What am I looking at? What am I seeking? And also being in front of God, you know, like taking the attention from God. My desire, my hope, and I hope it is your hope as well, is to make God famous, to make Jesus famous, to glorify Jesus. And sometimes we have to be at the forefront in order to proclaim Jesus. But does it stay there? Do people just look at you and think, oh, how amazing, let's buy her album, let's buy his album, let's, let's follow him and let's follow her on Instagram, let's, uh, how, uh, how amazing this person is? Or are you pointing it back to God, allowing people access to God? Or does it stop at you? And so I think these scribes, it's, it pretty much stopped at them. Yeah, definitely. And I, like, I can totally relate to what you're saying too, me being a musician, um, you know, I sing in the secular industry and it's all about the singer on the stage. Like, you know, the general the general public who aren't don't, don't necessarily have a faith, like they're not looking for you to point to God. Like it's just mm. look at you, look at you. But then when you sing in a church setting, it's completely different. Um, and, yeah, so I've, I've always got to check that as well with myself. Yes. Like, you know, if you sing at a church service, yes, it is in my heart of hearts to point people to God, but sometimes people will come up to you when it's hard, like to not enjoy the... Yes. Oh, and, thank you so much. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to be thanked and it's okay for people to look at you. And this is one of the things I always say. If someone says, well, thank you, Father Rob, that was great. I, I would say th- thank you. I'd acknowledge that. But and in my heart or out loud, I would say thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me 
to be in this place to point to you. But it, again, it's not about us. It's not about taking the opportunity to point at ourselves. We're not selling ourselves. We're selling, in a sense, and it's a horrible word, we're selling and pointing to the gospel, po- pointing to Jesus. That's right. So not, not, not only did the scribes have this, the fourth thing, um, they also had the highest places of honour at the banquets, like we, we discussed before. So that, mm. was, that was the fourth thing. And the way that it works is, for, for example, the person of greatest honour would sit at the right and then the next person at the left. So if you were at the right of the host, you were the most um, sort of privileged person. And then on the left and so on and so forth. And they would use these opportunities to try and get as close to the hosts for opportunity to build connections, to fundraise, to to become people of influence, politicians, you know, if they do something that to get... And it ended up with corruption as well, you know, that they would do things that were corrupt. Yeah, so the fifth thing that Jesus condemns the scribes for is taking advantage of others for money and using their status to exploit people. Now, the scribes back in those days, it was really it was forbidden for them to receive payment for their teaching. So they depended on private donations for their living. Or other jobs, so they'd be farmers or whatever in their, in their spare time, yeah. Yeah, so if you gave to a scribe, it was considered to be this grand act of piety. Um so, yeah, when he's talking about devouring the widows' houses, the widows in those times, they had no inheritance rights. So they had to rely on their male sons or on other family members for their income. And so the scribes would often exploit the widows, like know that they're going to be hospitable to them, but exploit them. Yes, and yeah. they, would, they would sort of take their, their inheritance. Like, they would, how, how would they... They'd, they'd they have would a house. mismanage their estates. Mm. Um, they'd even charge them excessive legal fees because they were lawyers. Mm. Um, and so these widows didn't have anyone to to help them with. And so they they manipulated people for, for money as well. They took advantage of people for money. And again, maybe we don't do that directly, but how thirsty are we for money? Are we taking advantage of, of, of people or even government and taxes? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And, and so it's, we have to be a people of integrity and honesty as well with our money. Because money, you're not going to take that with you. Remember, you're not going to go to, if you die, it's going to stay. Someone else is going to inherit your money. Someone else is going to spend your wealth. Someone else is going to live in your house. Someone else is going to take your picture frames and put them in a box and, and in storage. You know what I mean? All the things that you have, that you value, at the end of the day, you are not going to take with you. So make sure you're storing up your treasures in heaven. Yeah, and the talking about being honest and being people of integrity, the sixth thing was that the scribes would recite these lengthy prayers and it was kind of this pious act to kind of cover up the fact that they were exploiting the widows because you've really got to look at the disposition of their hearts. Like were they saying these long prayers, you know, to to give glory to God and to pray to God or were they saying these long prayers to glorify themselves? Look at how holy I am praying for you. Exactly. And it's uh, sometimes it's so nice for people to think that we're holy that we that we think our life is is in order. It's not only holiness, you know. It's like even our Instagram moments, our posts. Are we honest there? You know, it seems like our life sometimes is so ideal, and nobody knows the tears, and nobody knows the yeah. the arguments we have. Not that I'm saying we should post them on Instagram, but <laughs> but uh, w- what are we? Are we trying to give an impression of ourselves that is not real? And this is what they were doing. They were just trying to show how holy they were. It's a distraction. At the end of the day, you go to pray with God. It's about being in that humble woman that Jesus later talks about, about that place just hiding in a corner and just wanting to worship Jesus. 
Yeah, and so speaking of the widow, we can move to the second part of this story, which talks about the widow's offering. Um, we basically learn from this story that we need to give absolutely everything to God, mm. just like God has given everything to us. So the scribes and all those putting in those, like when they were put, I'm just I'm imagining the scene, they're putting in the money, all their coins, making all this racket, um, you know, to show off, look at me, look how much money I'm, I'm giving into this box. Whereas this widow, she's putting in these two tiny, tiny coins and, you know, she probably needed those two, that's all she had left. She probably needed those two coins, you know, to help her to survive for the next couple of days. But she even gave that up in pursuit of God. Mm. You know, she surrendered everything to the Lord, even having to rely on God for her next meal. And to come to this point, like of of absolute abandonment, uh, absolute trust in the Lord, how contrasting is that to the Pharisees, to the to to the scribes, that they uh, were were building security, and she was like letting go of security. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about people letting go of security. Bartimaeus, you remember? Yeah. And he was just threw his coat away. You know, everyone abandoning things for God, and. I think this is one of the things that we have to learn, that this contrast. And I think, again, two things that stood out um, about this woman's offering. First of all, it was that it was a, it was a sacrificial. It, it, Jesus wants us to give, yes, but he wants us to give until it, it hurts. You know, be sacrificial in your giving. Be intentional in your giving. If it's, not, if it's just out of overflow, if it's just out of what you have extra, then it really... You're not building up treasures in heaven. I love what you said about how real giving is sacrificial. And that, to me, that parallels the giving of God to us. You know, God didn't even hold back in giving us his son. Like, yes, real giving is sacrificial. What a line. Real love is sacrificial, absolutely. And it's the same in a relationship. You know, you can give what is expected of you or else you can give in extravagance. It's, it's financial. It's also at work. It's also... In in your the, the life of your parish, you know, to you don't want to read at mass, but you do it because it's a sacrificial giving. Maybe finance finances generally is not sacrificial for you, but what are you giving in your life, in your family? And maybe you have before, but notice that you're not so much anymore. You know, your kids have grown, and you don't have this opportunity to wake up at four, two in the morning, three in the morning to change ni- diapers, nappies, and but now, what is your sacrificial giving yeah. within your family? And then the second thing is that um, real giving is reckless. It's extravagant. It's so generous. It's an act of surrender, which, again, is, is, something, that is uh, something that we need to give within our families, something that we need to give within our parishes, within the community. Yeah. Um, and I think another point I wanted to bring out about this um, gospel reading with the widow is Jesus looks at the motive of the heart. like and, and the way that God calculates giving is so different to the way that we as humans would. So in the eyes of the world, all the offerings of the, those who were giving excess, amount, big, big amounts of money, like they looked like, you know, they were contributing more, you know, to the maintenance of the temple. But Jesus didn't notice that. Jesus noticed that woman. The heart. Yeah. This, the, the, right, the sacrificial and extravagance of this woman. And again, 2,000 years later, we're talking about her. We're not talking about the Pharisees um, and the Sadducees and the scribes that gave certain amounts, but we know the exact amount that this woman gave and we know with which heart she has given it. God created history out of this woman. And that's what God can do with us, with the little that we have. We can, God 
can make history out of it. If we give um, sacrificially and if we give also recklessly and generously um, towards God and others. The production of this podcast would not be possible without the support of our donors and ministry partners. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a one-off donation or becoming an FRG ministry partner from just $5 per month as well as enabling FRG ministry to impact hearts across the world through the creation of online resources and outreach programs. As an FRG ministry partner, you will have access to our rewards program where you can receive exclusive benefits and content to help you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about becoming an FRG ministry partner, head to frgministry.com donate. It's time for the mystery box. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> um, this is here's something I prepared earlier. This again, mystery box. You have to guess what is in the box. I've run out of mystery box items after this one, so I need this to prepare. This is your last one. <laughs> is it? I thought. Yeah. Anyway, we'll try and figure it out. I gave it to you on purpose because I didn't want to go and get one. <laughs> well, this week we can, and uh, out of once we're able to get to the shops. Yeah. Okay. Guess what it is. Describe it first. It's a grey bit of material with elastic on either end. Now, we had something similar some time ago. Is this the bag thing? No, this is it's something different. Okay, so there's two bits of elastic, one inside but, but, and one but, outside. But, uh, no, Can I pull yeah, it out? Pull it out. Where's the camera? Okay, so, oh, so it's two. Two of them. Yeah, that's okay. right. Looks like so smock <laughs> sleeves. What are they? Smock sleeves. What are smock sleeves? Like if you're doing art and... You know, you put them on your arm to not get dirty. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, that's get a bad. <laughs> exactly. Did I get it? That's it. So they. Oh, so you put them inside of each other to trick me? No, that's the way I bought them. Ah, anyway. so they're actually sleeves to so put on your arms. So they're sleeves. So like you're washing dishes and you want to put them so oh. not to dirty your your hey. sleeves. There you go. Well I done. Got it right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. I think this is the first time you, you got that right or no? Well, Straight it away. It took 16. Oh, well, how many <laughs> eight episodes? <laughs> Three, two, one. It's time for Saint Me a Picture. Okay, we're going to be talking about Saint Rita today. So Saint Rita is the patron of impossible causes, difficult marriages, parenthood, um, Let's talk a bit about her life. She was born in Italy in 1381. Kasha. In Maltese, Kasha means Kasha, means box. Box. Spelled differently. Okay. But yeah. Thank you for that piece of information. (laughs) I've actually been there, but I'll talk about that in a second. But I love this story. The day after her baptism, this big swarm of bees like entered her mouth and and left. And like she was unharmed by the whole thing. Not stung. Not stung. Like as a baby. Maybe she had really bad breath. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But her parents saw this, like they weren't alarmed. They saw this as as like a sign being like, this woman's going to be virtuous. Which it was, probably, yeah. Yeah, hey. So they must have thought like this God has a calling over this this girl's life, which she did, yeah. She did. And so she wanted to enter the convent at a young age and she begged her parents, but instead her parents said no and they actually arranged for her to be married to this man called Paolo, um, who wasn't actually a nice guy to be honest so she became a wife and mother at only 12 and her husband was violent um physically and verbally and he had so many enemies around the place and even though Rita was like a really good influence on him he eventually was killed so Rita like in a dispute 
In a fight. Yes, in a fight. He had Oof. a lot, a lot, a lot of en- enemies. Um, Rita gave public pardon to her, Paolo's murderers. So the public pardon is that's like she's declared in public that she's not going to seek retaliation. Yeah. That she's forgiven this person. It's pretty oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But um, her brother-in-law was not happy with this and he got Rita's two sons on board and said, no, no, you're going to fight, you know, in, in revenge for this. Um, and Rita, um, her sons were like... Inc- became more and more like their father. And even though Rita tried to stop them, they refused. So Rita basically prayed to God and said, God, please take my sons before they commit the mortal sin of murder. And a year later, her, both of her sons died. So she lost her <laughs> husband, lost her children. And Be then careful she, what you're praying, mamas. I know. And then she wanted to enter the convent, into the monastery, and they said, no, because of your association you're, you're a mafia. Yeah, with all of these people, we can't have you in the convent. And she persisted and persisted. And basically the agreement was that if she could bring peace between two families, they would accept her into the monastery. And so she prayed and prayed and peace happened and she was able to enter the monastery at the age of 36. 36, that's like still a child. Still, still young. Like even today, priests, I know of people who are studying for the priesthood or older than that. I went to an ordination of a priest who was ordained at 60. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so that's pretty pretty good that 36 entering and the monastery. I think all yeah. these things were happening like while she was in her teenage years. Yes. Like it's crazy. What an you, how old was she when she got married? 12. 12. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, wh- where's the freedom in that? Anyway, that's a, a different time, a different age. That's right. And she if, so um, entered the convert 36 and quite a, a big number of years later she died. And her body is buried in Kasia. Yes. In the basilica there. And it was actually found to be incorrupt. And it's still there today. I've actually, I've been there. I was there a couple of years ago and I saw her body. I was there on her feast day and it was a sea of red roses, crowds everywhere. Hot day? May 22nd. <laughs> 2019, I was there. And um, there's actually this really beautiful, I went to her hometown as well, which is a little bit further away from Kasia. And there's this big mountain that you can go up and there's this beautiful chapel at the top and Climbed the eight hundred and something meters into the air, and you wow. this beautiful view. And well, I'm just thinking, like this this woman. You know, if I was in the monastery, the like if you entered a monastery, you'd have hundreds of nuns there. Imagine having someone like Rita. Let's not call her Saint Rita at the time. Um, she was a saint, even though um, having someone with that life's experience. Most of the girls, the ladies in there, would have gone in at thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. And then comes in this 36-year-old who's like pretty much was involved in the mafia <laughs> in a way and she had sons and she knew what it was to, to, to be even like in a, a married relationship and, and all these nuns sitting around said, well, tell us what this is like, tell us what yeah, this yeah. is like, tell us what this is like because they were so isolated. So imagine this woman as well, how her uh, ability to contribute in this way also, but in a, in a protect, uh, protected way. But um, another example of like persistence as well, mm. you know, even through all the difficulties of that marriage and the difficulties with her children and all the things she was surrounded by, she still persisted and she, yes. she knew what she wanted. And, and she knew it was God's will. So she stopped like she was desperate. You know, like we talk about this as well a few weeks ago. How desperate are you for God? Again, Bartimaeus, you know, the, the desperation to achieve, to step towards what God has planned, has instilled in your heart. 
And again, uh, just to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to digress, but it's like I just again I'm thinking of Saint Rita as like this uh, root recalculation. You know, God, um, she took the wrong route, she took the wrong way um, because of her parents, and then God somehow recalculated the GPS yeah. back to w- what what was first best for her life. So good. She's a patron to, patron of abused women, of mourning wives, and impossible causes like Saint Jude as well. So, yeah, so St. Rita, pray Pray for for us. us. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and learning more about your faith, have you considered enrolling into our online courses? FRG Ministry online courses cover teaching, devotional and practical elements of the Catholic faith to help individuals, teachers, students and parishes across the world grow in their faith and understanding of the Catholic Church and their relationship with Jesus Christ. All courses include high-definition videos with expert and engaging speakers, testimonies from everyday Catholics, and downloadable content including interactive PDF guides, prayer cards, and phone wallpapers. Online courses from FRG Ministry are also accredited for professional development for Catholic education staff in Australia. Titles include Knowing Mary, School of Prayer, Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, Introduction to the Bible and more, with new courses being added regularly. For more information about enrolment and subscription options, head to courses.frgministry.com. Topic of the week. This week's topic, we're talking all about money and why we should give money at church. Money, money, money. Abba song. Money, <laughs> money, money. Ain't no funny. I used to be able to play it on the piano. It was like... (laughs) (laughs) They're back together again, Ava. I love Ava. I was obsessed as a child. Will they come to Australia? No, they're doing like a... Virtual. Virtual. 3D. Yeah. That's amazing. That's what you should do. You can clone yourself. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) One one of me is enough. (laughs) Um, But there are saints that bilocated. Anyway, let's not money. digress. <laughs> let's talk about money. Why, um, why, why give money to the church? Well, what's the what's the point of of giving money to the church? Some people get annoyed. You know, they go to church and they haven't been to church for a long time, and then and they say, "Father, we came to mass, and all you did was ask for money." And I'm thinking, far out. We just we had a collection. You know what I mean? Well, they haven't been for ages, and there's all these other amazing things happening, and. You know, God's coming to us on the altar, but all they noticed was the collection plate yeah. walking around. But why? Why do we have a collection? What is the? Pl- why do we not do it? For example, at the moment, um, because of COVID, we've what we do is we people give money as they enter or exit. So we have baskets on the in as people are walking in or walking out. Why don't? Why isn't that, so to speak, liturgically appropriate? If you want to know more, we have this on our, uh, one of our encounter courses on the mass. We explain this thoroughly. But why? Why is that not? Why are we selling the collection short that way? I'm asking you. Oh me? <laughs> oh, okay. Because at the time of the offertory, so we bring up the bread and the wine. I I loved. I feel like I've retained this bit of information mm. from from learning about the mass this year. Our money, it represents like our work, our our time, our efforts. And it kind of, when we donate our money at the time of the collection of the offertory and that's brought up to the altar, that's like us giving of ourselves mm. to God. Like in thanksgiving for all the blessings that God has given us, we're giving back to God exactly. what so, he's gifted us with. 
So giving money is an act of worship, and that's why it is appropriate for there to be a collection at the time of offertory, because we're giving our hearts, we're giving our minds, we're giving our lives, and we're setting them, we're placing them all the, on the altar with the gifts. But also, God, all of me, that includes my, my resources, my finances. And so every time we put money into the basket, it is an act of worship. So if we're giving, just emptying our pockets of those heavy coins then it is not an act of worship. So it should be sacrificial and it should be extravagant. It, it, should, it should be until uh, so generous and reckless in a sense. Now, not necessarily to your church, and we'll talk about why give to the church, but this is where the, it is an act of worship. It is not just a gesture. It's not just part of, of uh, doing it because that's the, we know that everyone's going to be seated at that moment and have access to, to, to their pockets, to their wallets. The hiatus, the middle of mass, right? Yes, the coffee break. Yeah, <laughs> it is that and the sign of peace sometimes. And the fact that, you know, God has blessed us with everything that we have. Everything we have is a grace and it's a gift from God. And so when we give, it belongs to God anyway. Mm. Right? And we're just giving it, we're just giving, you know, a small amount of it back to God. And I love your line. I'll get it right today. God will never outdo us in generosity. Will always will outdo always. us. I did it again. <laughs> far out. He will always outdo us in generosity. I did that in my first ever episode and far Okay, don't listen to me. <laughs> no, just good. speak. <laughs> no, he will always outdo us. So if you think that you're not, you're giving too much, just watch. Even Jesus in the scripture, he says, um, he asks us to test him. The only time he asks us to test him, funnily enough, is with finances, with, is with our resources. He says, give, and you will see that in this life, in this life, and in the life to come, I will give you press down, um, I don't know, there's a whole list of things that he gives the example, and in, in abundance, that God gives us a hundredfold for what we give. Now, we don't give to to get, but God will look after us. We have to do it with wisdom, so don't give away, like if you have debts and or whatever, you have to feed someone, your family, be wise. But at the same time, be extravagant as well. Be extremely generous in the way you, you give to God. But let's talk, yeah. Is there like the church, what's the church's position on on giving our money back, giving our money to the church? Like well, I know in the Old Testament, there was a law of a tithing law, which was to give 10% of our earnings. Yes, back. so that's a scriptural um, thing that in the Old Testament, that the, um, the, the scripture that talked about giving 10% to the temple. Now, the temple would give to the poor, distribute to the poor, would look after the temple, temple tax, and so on and so forth. So it was about giving 10% of your first fruit, 10% of your best, your best 10%, not just the bottom 10%, mm-hmm. the best 10% you give back to, to the, the church, basically. But the church doesn't hold that, doesn't teach that. We are to give as much as we can. I tend to work with that 10% in my life. And the reason I do that, because it's clear and that I just feel I don't want to to rip God off. I don't know if this is right or wrong. But I think one of the things that, again, that I suggest as people do is open another bank account for 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 giving, because for charity, not necessarily the church only. But uh, what you do is you put 10% of everything that enters into your bank account, put it into this separate bank account, and so and use that as your, your giving account, your generous account, your account that doesn't benefit you. Yeah. And important point to note, like God doesn't demand like a fixed amount from us. He just wants us to give from exactly. our Exactly, and to give until it hurts, yeah. to give generously and extravagantly. 
So no, absolutely. The the ten percent is a suggestion, um, and the church never um, imposes a ten percent uh, or a scripture. Like some Protestant churches, they say like you give ten percent. If you don't, then basically you're, you're stealing from God. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Okay, God wants us to give. If sometimes even more than ten percent, sometimes fifty percent. Yeah, and maybe so when we do put money in the collection plate, like what. What is that money used for? I know some of it goes towards the maintenance of the church. Like obviously living in today's society, the church is a building. It has expenses and um, some of that covers the priest stipend. Let's, let me just backtrack with that again because you see one of the things that people think is that the church, okay, they say the church is the richest institution in the world. Why would it need our money? Why would it need my, my, my $10, my $20? First of all, the church might be a rich institution as a general, but um, here's a, I'm getting a big canon law here that your local parish has nothing to do with the Vatican. The Vatican gives no money to your parish. Your parish gives no money, exchanges no money with the Vatican or with your chancery, with your with the with your cathedral or whatever. Each parish it's, is its own what we call juridical person. So when you give to your parish, you, it's entirely up to your parish as to where the money goes. Okay, so you're not giving money to the Vatican. You're not giving money. So each, if a parish cannot afford to keep a priest, if a parish cannot afford to do maintenance, the Vatican is not going to step in and says, "Here's a million dollars to upgrade your church." It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Each institution, each juridical body, is absolutely separate. So what you give is literally staying and sustaining your parish. Now, where it goes to is usually it goes to the maintenance of the church. It goes to the maintenance of the parish home and the running of the parish home. If you have a priest that lives with you their stipend now a priest is on below minimum wage okay so uh it just gets a stipend i don't know each country is different but you're certainly not paying extravagant wages you're paying um well below what what your priest puts in um and then um also like if you have a parish secretary if you have um bulletin printing of the bulletins you have the maintenance of the car park or there's so many ex- buying the bread and the wine for the yeah. whole, for, for mass buying the the vessels maintaining the vessels you know thousands of dollars goes into keeping the things clean and sanitized and and so anyway that's where uh, most of the money goes and also charity so each parish is responsible of putting some money aside as well to make sure that it goes to charity, especially when it is specified that it is going to charity, then that entire collection goes to the charity that they're specifying. They cannot tell you, we're going to give it to Caritas, and then they do church okay. maintenance. It's it, it, We're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot to think about. Um, <laughs> and speaking of the Mass course, um, we said our first point over that giving was an act of worship. We actually have an event coming up. If you want to learn more about the Mass course and you want to get a bit of a preview and and see what it's all about. We're actually doing a live webinar on the Mm. 23rd of November. So make sure you join us on Father Rob's Facebook page um, and you can, we'll get it, we'll show you a bit of the best parts of the mass course and we'll have a special offer for anyone. Is it Facebook or YouTube? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we we can post it both. (laughs) But um, I think I've figured out a way of how we can post it on both uh, when we're doing webinars. I will leave the text to you. (laughs) But 23rd of November... Put that date in your diaries. We are going to, yeah, preview of our mass course and we'll have a very special offer that you can get that at a discounted rate. Absolutely. And we look forward to seeing you again um, next week. Thank you for joining us. Please follow us. Leave your reviews. Go to frgministry.com forward slash podcast. 
all the info is there. If you want to find us on social media, um, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Influencers, Instagram, Catholic Influencers underscore, or Twitter even, Cath Influencers. So much going on. Yes. And again, thank you to our ministry partners that make this podcast possible to also to our Encounter courses. We'll see you again next week. God bless. Bye.